Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. I'm your host, Alex Burkett. If you're just joining us today, follow me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to get the latest episodes that I release. On today's episode, I have Angel McGee joining me today. She is the manager of communications and outreach of the Kansas City MLB Urban Youth Academy for the Kansas City Royals. She talks about her rise to the challenge growing up and what did she want to do when she was in her career right now. Plus, when she got into college, where did it change to a different direction? And plus, how she enjoys her career today. She also gives the listeners tips on how she made a difference into her career and how you can make a difference to further your career. But first, we have to start with our quick fire challenge. Each week, I like to give my viewers a challenge to motivate themselves. Take a look and do a little reflection. And also, you can use this to listen to how Angel used this quote in her interview. This week's quote is, Sometimes we're tested not to show our weaknesses, but to discover our strengths. So when you're listening to this podcast, think about what areas did Angel show her strengths and how did her peers see that? In your lives, how do you overcome your weaknesses to develop those strengths to make them shine even farther? Now, sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode of the Rise to the Challenge. Please welcome my guest at this time, Angel McGee. How are you doing today, Angel? I'm doing good, Alex. Thank you so much for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for this opportunity. I want the listeners to learn about your rise to the challenge. So we start off at the beginning with what were you involved with or what were you passionate about growing up? Oh, man. Um, So I'm working in my passion. (laughs) Um, My biggest, my love for sports started so young and I think it was really... um, created through my grandmother's dad, no unbeknownst to I just remember all the time sports being on TV and I got addicted. I feel like I got addicted to it and I was just obsessed with it. And then you couple that with, I played sports all through high school. Um, and I think it just formed a passion in me that I just simply love sports. And by the time, it sounds crazy, but by the time I was in uh, sixth grade, I just kept telling everyone, like, I don't know what I'm going to do one day, but I'm going to work for ESPN. I'm going to work in sports. <laughs> Did you have a team that you paid attention to when you were growing up or that you were a huge fan of? Yes. So the very first basketball team that I knew about, of course, without a doubt, uh, the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, um, which is hands down my all-time favorite athlete. Um, and then you couple that with, I uh, have a lot of hometown, uh, hometown pride. And so uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals, of course. Um, and then in college, I, re- I, was, I love college basketball, um, both on the men's and the women's side. So growing up, I was a huge uh, KU basketball fan. And on the women's side, my goodness, UConn. I love Gino Ariema. Um, my favorite players were Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. So, I mean, I was love sports. Just so just dove all into it. 
I can definitely hear the passion with all the teams. And luckily, <laughs> I'm from St. Louis, so I'm a huge Cardinals and St. Louis Blues fan. So when you say Royals, I accept that because the Royals are a good team and they're a good rivalry. The Cubs yes, is a whole nother story. Oh, man. I actually went to school. Uh, actually, a lot of my uh, one half of my friends group all currently live in St. Louis and are from St. Louis. And so, oh, man, when we got to college and um, we started making new friends and a lot of friends were from Chicago, my goodness, I've never seen them go at it so hard. <laughs> but that's what makes sports fun. Like, even going, I've been to a lot of Cubs-Cardinals games, and they are so much fun because the fans get into the game. You're not worrying about fans not caring or being a distraction. They're paying attention, and it just shows their passion. And hearing about the inspirations with the players that you looked up to, did they have a big impact on when you played sports? Like you admired them, you try to be them, or were you just learning the skills from watching them? So before I told everyone I was going to, I wanted to work for ESPN. Um, I just knew I was about to get recruited from Ariam himself. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, my oh, my one my first dream was to go and play in the WNBA because that's just how uh, that's just how in love with the game I was with basketball game. and then watching you know, like Sue and Diana and like the whole team and all those women I just looked up to them and I wanted to be them and of course quickly kind of realized you know by the time I got out of middle school and was going into high school I was like eh, that's probably not the route I'm gonna go but. Um, that's really what shaped me, and I just remember making like homemade signs and posting them up, and um, even when Sue and Diana got drafted, like making their team name posters for them. It was just I, I just knew at that point I was going to play basketball professionally in my mind and in my dreams. But um, ultimately, that same passion is what has driven. You mentioned going into high school that you didn't see yourself going that way. What changed or did you find something else that you were passionate about and that's what directed you into that direction? What was your mind go what was your mind saying during that time? Yes, yeah, so I love basketball and so I played it all through my entire basically my entire life. Um, but I, I knew at that point that when I got into high school that, that wasn't just that wasn't my focus anymore. I didn't want to be a um, I wanted to actually work in sports, and so kind of changed my mindset. I loved playing it, still played it, but I wanted to do something more in the actual industry. Did you go in after high school to college going for a sports management degree, or what were you going for when you went to college, and where did you go to college? Yeah, so I ended up going to Truman State University, which is located in uh, Kirksville, Missouri, which is not too far from uh, the University of Missouri. Um, ended up going and getting a communications degree. Uh, we don't have a sport management program or a sport journalism program, so I still went and um, when I my degree is actually emphasis within journalism, so that's my bachelor of arts. Um, but I wanted to go and just and do something that I and get a degree that I felt I could use anywhere. So um, I still wanted to go with the mindset of working in the broadcast journalism world. Uh, specifically within the sports arena, um, but I also made sure that it could be a degree that was somewhat um, flexible, if that's what you want to call it. So even if I didn't go into broadcasting, um, 
you know, there was still a lane there that I can go into public relations or media relations or something else. Did you have any goals in college um, that you wanted to accomplish while you were going to Truman State? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think I set forth a lot for myself. Um, one was just getting involved on campus. Two was getting involved in knowing my academic uh, professors and also my counselors. Um, three, internships and how I could network. And four was just making sure that within a year of graduating college, that was at least working somewhere that was geared towards uh, the sports industry uh, or, bro- or broadcast journalism. I graduated from Lindenwood University, which is in St. Charles, Missouri, with a degree in sports management. And like you said, searching for those internships, finding those opportunities, that's what we had to do at our university. I ended up working as an intern for River City Rascals. I took classes where we had to put on a flag football tournament. And I feel that it prepared me really well for the real world, even though right now I'm not in the sports industry but I know I have to work on those skills to eventually get into the sports industry when you talk about opportunities what opportunities did you take yeah so coming out of college I actually switched gears um I no longer at the time wanted to pursue broadcast journalism as heavily as I had really worked all four of my college years for um and so i pretty quickly had to figure out what it was that I wanted to do, and I, I didn't really know. All I knew is that I wanted to work in sports. Um, so a sports marketing internship had arisen uh, with a, uh, AA, an AAU basketball organization that's located here um, in the Kansas City area called Mocan Basketball. Um, they're pretty well known, and so I started off with that because I just figured, hey, if I can just keep my foot in the door and keep, you know, Having, uh, getting these skills, learning about new things, just being there and being present, I know that it will turn into something bigger, which ultimately, as you have seen and read, (laughs) it it did. And so that's just really where I started, um, was just keeping my foot in the door. It really didn't, it mattered what experience I was getting, but I felt like as long as I was there and getting that experience, it was going to pay off. Talk about the atmosphere of Mokin basketball. I've never heard of it, um, so I'm learning something new from interviewing you. Talk about what 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 goes on in an AAU basketball league. Yes, yeah, so um, actually it works on the office side of things. So I wasn't able to be where all the action was, which is I was kind of bummed when I found out, <laughs> but that was okay. Um, but what it is, it's an elite AAU basketball organization. So. Um, it's traveling basketball teams, you know, summer competitions. A lot of Kansas City area athletes have gone through Mocan at one point in time. Um, and they've really pumped out a lot of collegiate athletes that have gone on to be, um, some have gone on to be professional, both men's and women's, which is pretty awesome. But I was pretty, uh, I did a lot of the branding and the marketing material for it. So um, looking over budgets, um, brochures, websites getting bios together, pretty much everything that you can think of in the marketing world is what I was working What skills would you say you got from working for the basketball team before making the transition to further your career? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely all of the 
office skills that you can think of, <laughs> which are, it sounds pretty cliche, but um, depending on where you are looking to and going into the future and where you want to be, it, there's just so many programs out there from, and that keeps growing, um, that a lot of folks seem to familiarize themselves with. And so I was able to really dust off my skills and get back somewhat into the classroom. Um, I like to think of myself as a great writer, and so I was able to put my writing skills to use, which again have come back immensely for me in that area. Um, and I was able to also make connections um, with other folks around not only Moki and basketball, but my boss at the time had connections with other folks that are, were in a similar arena, whether it was with another basketball organization or a team or a sports organization in general. Um, I was able to kind of collect a lot of gems while I was there. And it was a short time. It was a fall internship. So I felt like as soon as I started, before I knew it, I was finishing up. Um, but I wanted to make the, my time. I wanted to make the best of it while I was there. I agree. Making the best of your time is important because gaining those skills, including networking, networking, knowing someone that could introduce yourself to someone else is definitely huge. And making that positive experience for them so that they remember you is definitely important. Would you say that you got out of your comfort zone when going for this team? Um, I know you originally went to college for sports broadcasting, but going into that office side, did it bring you out into an area that you had to push yourself in a way? A little bit, yes, because um, I wasn't too fond of, uh, I wasn't, I shouldn't say too fond, I wasn't, um, I didn't have much experience on that marketing side. Um, I know communications gives you a lot of different experience um, and skills within that realm that you can pretty much take anywhere and you can blend in and be a chameleon uh, within your environment. So um, a little bit, yeah, I had to push myself and just really tap into my own potential that I knew I had, um, but kind of brainstorming outside the box, that, that's what it really brought out of me. Taking it to the next step in your journey to the rise of the challenge, how did you get into working for the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, of course. Um, so right, <laughs> right after my internship ended with Mohan, of course, I was on the hunt again and I actually came across um, a position with the Chiefs at the time, um, which has now been transformed into what they, what they call the um, uh, Play 60 Youth Outreach Guide position. And so... Um, I in, interviewed for that. It was a part-time position. What it is is um, if folks aren't um, to uh, if folks don't know anything about the Play 60 program within the NFL, it's pretty much their initiative and in making sure kids are active at least 60 minutes a day. And so, um, with the Chiefs specifically, we worked in the sports lab, which is a all, uh, an interactive sports kind of like what I used to call it to other people and explain it. It's like a Chuck E. Cheese that's located inside of Arrowhead Stadium, but all of the games, all of the interactive stations are devoted to health and wellness and STEM. So it's really cool for kids to come in and see, um, learn about the different parts of the body, what they should be eating properly. You know, they can get on a treadmill. They can, there's like a little broadcasting station. They can go back and play on other things like that. And so at the time, that's what we were pretty much doing is um, really just teaching about keeping your bodies healthy to kids when they came into the stadium, uh, mainly during the week for field trips. And then on game days, we would open it up, of course, to the public and um, anyone who had a ticket within the stadium for the game. They would bring their kids in, and we were just around to kind of help. 
and that quickly turned into um, uh, being a Play 60 school assembly host. So we actually took the show on the road. <laughs> I think I, when I was younger, I remember they made commercials for the Play 60, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now you see teams really getting into that younger demographic with getting them active Um getting them involved i know when i go see at bush stadium they have that like kids play center where kids can interact with throwing a baseball climbing doing the broadcasting stuff so it's kind of nice for them as kids to enjoy an experience as we know that maybe their attention isn't focusing on the game but they can have fun at the same time make those memories Absolutely. Did you transition into other positions when you were at the Chiefs after starting at the Play 60 position? I did. I did. So I ended up, um, I was in the Play 60 outreach guide for about a couple of years. And then I wanted to do more. Um, So I started actually networking and asking my boss at the time, you know, if there were any, um, if there were any, opportunities that I could go further and one of those um, I had noticed that there I was uh, we'll come back we'll we'll segue into my other side of this the street and where I work now currently but um, I had noticed that there wasn't any um, I was just interested in game entertainment and I noticed that I didn't see a staff on game days I didn't know what that looked like as far as um, an actual staff that runs you know the national anthem and the different performers and everything that you can think of that happens pre-game, during the game, um, and in any special ceremonies. So I honestly, I just got to ask it around the organization, and I ended up being introduced to then at the time she was the manager of game entertainment, and we chatted, and I told her my goals, and I told her you know everything that I'm kind of telling you right now, um, and where I wanted to be and go, and she was like, well, the thing is, is that we need someone like you, um, so let's see what we can do, and about maybe a few weeks later, she got back with me and said, hey, um, we want to bring you on and be a part of our game day staff, and so <laughs> it literally started with just me being persistent um, and asking, and at that time, I had, I had uh, gained a lot of um, in a lot of uh, relationships with um, the employees within the organization at the time. And so I felt comfortable asking, um, you know, who should I talk to? And are you interested in doing this? And everyone led me right to who I needed to talk to. And I basically talked myself into a job, another job. <laughs> so it shows that your drive and your passion to learn more and reaching out to those people was very successful because your manager saw a lot in you and was able to reach out to her staff and hire up to see if there was an opportunity for you. Right, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that it shows a lot about when someone also believes in you, uh, and he did, and so he made sure to get me connected where I needed to, and actually with my cheerleader along the way, which was incredible. A lot of sports uh, management uh, degree students, they usually have to go through ticket sales, usually. How do you, would that be a way for you to segue into the positions that you've gotten? Or did you know that you may have to go around that to find something that you were passionate about? 
Yes. So <laughs> the standard route getting into sports seems to be everyone going into ticket sales. Um, from the very beginning, that was not what I wanted to do. And I can say so, the same way to that. Ticket sales was just <laughs> not my area because oh I'm, like, I'm like oh. you. I'm a people person. And when I was doing internships with the River City Rascals, which is a, like an amateur baseball team, I enjoyed being around the fans, the players, the entertainment, and all of that. Being in a box office just wasn't my thing because I feel like I had a lot more potential and something that I can offer. And so I did exactly what you did is I went to my boss and I say, I want more. Give me like the opportunity to show you what I can do. And that's where it led to. Absolutely. And that's what I also did. Um, and so I made sure that that was not the route that I took because I just could not see myself, you know, which, you know, I, kudos to all of our ticket office folks, but yes. that was just not anything for me. Yeah. I didn't see myself, you know, I didn't see myself being in front of a desk on the phone all the time. And like you said, I'm a, I'm a people person. I love being out where the action is, being around the team, um, being around the people. And so it just wasn't the route for me. And you want to show up to the stadium or the arena every day and be happy that what with what you're doing. You don't want to come in not feeling it. And I think that just shows in your drive and your determination. Was there any more positions going into the Chiefs? Or did you want to transition yeah. across the street? Yeah, we can transition across the street because uh, as of today, I am still currently a field coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, the, excuse me, the Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs. That's the important, <laughs> you have to say Super Bowl champions because that it's yes. been a long time for that. <laughs> yes, yes. So what do you do as a field coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, so um, I've had a, a number of roles. And so normally our staff started out as um, anything that you can think of that happens pregame. So the first pass, um, national anthem, the color guard. We have a huge flag ceremony. Um, everything that goes into the pre-game ceremonial portion, and then in-game, um, doing a lot of the in uh, the interactive fan contest um, and some of the live segments that we also host on the big screen in which is called Aerovision um, within the stadium. Currently, though, for the last will now be three going on three seasons. Um, I execute a large arrowhead flag. So on every game day, we bring out a large arrowhead flag that is carried um, with about 50 season ticket members and then a handful of red coders, which are our, like they're kind of like our, our chief ambassadors throughout the community. Um, and they all help together. And so that is a, job within itself because the flag <laughs> the flag is huge when it's um centered in the middle of the field we're from i think it spans from the 35 to the 35 so it's a nice wow. size flag wow. yeah all the way over and then of course when we have bigger games such as playoff games um that's when we utilize the field size american flag and at that point you have over 150 season ticket members and additional staff um, that are helping out with that flag. And so I am directing and executing the field size American flag. So if anyone has seen and watched any Chiefs playoff games within the last three seasons and you see that huge flag come out on the field, <laughs> it's your girl right here. <laughs> she did it. 
with those like busy game days, how do you stay focused and motivated during the task? Because there's a lot of pieces going on. So how do you stay focused? Right. That is a great question. I think for me, there is just a switch that goes off. And when I'm in my zone, and if um, everyone that is, uh, when I'm in my zone, it is really hard for me to get out of it. And <laughs> everyone knows and sees me, they're like, oh, Angel, Angel's going. She, she is in the zone right now. So for me, a lot of it comes down to organization and time management, which personally, those are my strongest characteristics. I'm very organized and I'm very time oriented as well. So that's basically what my job is built off of. And so that's where I thrive the most. Um, you have to be on your feet at all times. You have to be quick on your feet mm-hmm. at all times um, because things are situational. Things change on the fly. If I don't get enough flag members that are going to come out, if I don't have enough, um, if the queuing is, you know, a lot of our queues are based off of the player's natural kind of flow of their schedule. So if I'm supposed to be going out in 30 seconds, but, you know, the visiting team has come out and they're late and I'm, I'm pressing and I've got to, you know, get the field the flag out as quick as I can there's just a lot that can happen on the fly that you have to be prepared for and the same thing when we go into um the stadium during the game and we're filming and doing live segments you know we're based off of timeouts so you know you never know if a player's going to get injured and that's one timeout or someone there's an official review that's another timeout you have to be you have to get everyone in place and and go at it so it's a lot of adrenaline a lot of adrenaline but it's a lot of fun at the I agree. It just sounds like fun. I need to go to more games now <laughs> just to see all yeah. these pieces after this conversation and be like, oh, she did that. She did that. Yeah, I know all the ins and outs now. <laughs> yes. So how did you get involved with the Kansas City Royals? Yes. So simultaneously, when I was looking, um, when I got my Chiefs position, I also got my first Royal position. So there was a time where I had five part-time positions between both teams at the same time. Now you hear that, and you're probably like, hold on, wait a minute. There's no way. That's a lot, yeah. (laughs) There is a way. Where there is a will, there is a way. Um, But again, it just goes back to organization and time management. But with the Kansas City Royals, the first um, position that I actually applied for was the mascot assistant, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And that was, yes. And honestly, when I was applying for these positions, I just told myself, Angel, if you can just get your foot in the door. Um, I didn't want to go the sales route, which I probably could have, you know, and gotten an internship. And it could have taken me somewhere. But I knew that's not exactly what I wanted to do. So I was okay with um, doing multiple positions just to get the experience. And that's what I told myself. And so ended up getting the position of a mascot assistant, which pretty much – Anytime, if, you, if um, your followers are not um, don't know too much about Kansas City or the Royals, that Casey Slugger, uh, Slugger, he is our Royals mascot, and so wherever he goes, if it's events worthy, uh, if it's during a game, pretty much I'm like his his assistant slash security at the same time. So I'll go in if it's an event off of uh, outside of the stadium. We'll go in. Doesn't matter if it's school, corporate, whatever you can think of. I've done weddings. Because it's all over the board. We'll go in, uh, pretty much talk to the event organizer, get him all set up, get him all squared away. Um, he does his thing. I'm right there with him. Sometimes I'll you know help take pictures or 
uh, kind of corral and make sure he's all good to go. Same thing with the stadium. Um, and then there was a, a couple of one-off events that we did that were you know, a little bit bigger and so played a little bit more of an assistant role. Um, but that's essentially the very first position that I applied for with the Royals. I can just imagine going to a wedding and seeing the mascot just walk into the room. I mean, if everyone's not smiling, that that's something bad. That there's got to be something wrong. I know mascot. Um, it's a hard position. I mean, depending oh, yeah. like you're relying on that assistant. Um, I from the experience, I've been a mascot before, and it's, it gets hot in those uniforms. Like. I give oh, credit to sure. the people that do it full time or the amount, amount of games that they do it. Did yeah. you ever have to be the mascot for an appearance or you were lucky that you were not in the uniform? Correct. I was lucky at the professional level at that point. Um, they have designated, you know, they have uh, their stand-ins if they need them. You usually have your main mascot who is, uh, actually has a, a big role within the organization. Little do people know, mascots are not just you know part-time people that or that professional teams hire. Those are actual full-time positions that they do a lot more in the office and do a lot more than just performing in costume, even though that's their job. Mm-hmm. But um, at the professional level, I'm glad to say that I never had to wear the costume. <laughs> <laughs> so after the mascot assistant. What was the next direction for you? Yeah, so I actually had gotten on to our game day crew, um, our game entertainment crew, which is called Game Crew, specifically with the Royals. Um, and that's ultimately what led me to ask about the Chiefs side of things. Um, so that's actually why I asked on the Chiefs side, because I had gotten that position with the Royals first before I actually asked about the field coordinator role. Um, with the Chiefs. And so I figured um, asking about the uh, interviewing for the game crew position was literally kind of everything I explained on the football side, just flip it to the baseball side. So um, first pitch, national anthem, color guard, we have um, the ceremonial first pitch, the honorary first pitch, different types of ceremonies, check presentations, things of that nature. Uh, We handle all of that. We actually have an interactive um, radio set, or excuse me, in live in-game segment. So that happens. It's called our, our countdown to game time, um, which is our show where we have actual live hosts at the stadium. And so each segment is broken down, and each time we go back live, we're either doing another host, you know, kind of bit, or we're doing a game, a kids game or an adult game, anything like that. So uh, we're very active before the game specifically, and even before we get down to the field. Um, and then during the game, kind of the same bit, we're still doing interactive, um, different fan contests. Uh, they switched it up over the years now that I'm out of it, so it's not as uh, interactive, fan interactive anymore, but there's still some components there. But essentially, that is what um, the position that I led up into was, was interesting. Did you see similarities between working the game day crew for the Royals and the game day crew with the Chiefs, or were there, like, different skills that you had to obtain? Um, Across the board, there were definitely similar skills that you needed for both. Um, I think what made them starkly different was the environment. Um, Baseball and softball are are two different worlds on game day. 
um, baseball is very much, you know, your slow pace. Um, you know, something happens from time to time, the crowd cheers. Football, everybody's up at all times cheering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely different with environments, but however, the same um, skills that you needed for both positions are most definitely. Did you ever have, was it easily being able to schedule? Um, You said you had multiple positions with, at the time with both teams. Was it when you started in the summer, you were with the Royals and then once in the fall, you went right to the Chiefs or how did that play out? Yeah. So you kind of got it. Um, Pretty much it was when baseball season was in, um, I was all Royals and um, I was all, I was actually all Chiefs year round and Royals when the season started so it got crazy sometimes just simply because um i usually had my play 60 position with the chiefs as my daytime position and the baseballs played in the evening so i would just bring all my stuff and then spend an entire day out at the complex um most people may not know but both stadiums are located right across from each other literally there's a parking lot that they share in between them um, and they share all the complex parking around it. So anytime there is a Chiefs game, there will never be a Royals game and vice versa. So that's also how I was able to manage that because I knew anytime that they played, there would never be a game on the other side because we did that. that's just how it was. And so I was able to schedule my um, have my schedule around Chiefs during the day and then Royals by night. That seems so. That's something new. I just learned how they don't <laughs> schedule on the same days because I could just not imagine that parking lot if both games were going at the it's same crazy. time. Because what happens? What happens if they're in the World Series or the Royals are in the World yeah. Series and they're supposed to be that, playing that, at Arrowhead? That was actually um, that was actually something that happened. I believe it's the 2014 season um, when we were playing. Monday night football against the New England Patriots at home at Arrowhead. And we were waiting to see the on the Royal side. We knew we had secured the wild card, so the infamous wild card game. Um, we were waiting to see the winners of in another division. And it all depended upon who won what day of the game would be on. So there was a scenario that is um, – Oakland had lost that, uh, which is who we played in the wild card game that day, which is who we had played the wild card um, that day, or excuse me, that year. Um, if they had lost, then we were supposed to be playing on that Monday, which was the same day as New England coming in for Monday Night Football. And they were saying that our game would be at 3 o'clock. Well, that was going to be absolutely nuts. There's no way. We could have done that. So it actually worked out in our favor because Oakland won. So we were able to host it on Tuesday night, the very next night. Because they would There's be. One, yeah. <laughs> people would be tailgating at like 9 o'clock in the morning for the oh, Monday night football game. Like no, I, they, they tailgate at like, at like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. That's true. I came to when the Chiefs were playing Green Bay this past season. My company, okay. we did uh, the tailgate. And. I'm getting there at 9 o'clock in the morning, and there's lines out. And I'm like, these are some dedicated fans, and that's good to see. Definitely. Welcome to Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm right in the – I mean, I I know the experience down at Bush Stadium and 
the Enterprise Center, going to the Royals and Chiefs, experiencing that, it's like, okay, can I go more? Because it's just fun, both sides. Right, absolutely. So after the game day, or what were what was the next transition? Yep, so luckily um, the same... So the same, I was within the same department my entire time um, up until my current position now, but um, that uh, department is called Event Presentation and Production, and so it's where the mascot assistant was under, it's where game crew is under, and ultimately I wanted to do more, and so when the internship underneath the same department opened up, um, I expressed interest, and it kind of worked in my favor because the year that I expressed interest was the same year we won the World Series. <laughs> so when, um, of course, I, I interviewed and I got I got the internship, but they literally threw me on during our playoff run or during our, our postseason playoff run. And so I was doing game crew, and um, I was also doing starting my internship at the same time because it was just nuts. Um, some folks may not know, but when teams, when professional teams go on to their their respective national championships, uh, it does cut into the off season significantly. Um, so the Chiefs are having, you know, with everything happening right now, the Chiefs are definitely behind the curve. And so with San Francisco uh, due to the Super Bowl, and even with the World Series, you think about when teams are playing. By the time World Series are usually wrapping up, we're going into November. Well, most teams have been off if they didn't make it into the postseason have been off since the end of september <laughs> yes so they had a full month of the off season um so we had to cut into a lot of that time and so it just made the transition easy because a lot of the internship responsibilities um also included overseeing the game crew staff and so i knew everything pretty much i was part of it and so it was a definite um natural flow into the internship and I mean that internship is what was probably the pivotal moment in my career and what changed the trajectory of my career path um, because at that point I was working with every department in the organization um, I was just responsible for putting together the PA book for the announcer every single game day and that if anyone doesn't know that's about a 200 page book oh, um, that I was doing every single uh, every single home game um amongst that there were just a plethora of opportunities so working our fan fest um going to spring training you know and incorporate doing all of the behind the scenes video shoots and, and um uh, all of that stuff for the the creative side so with the graphics and everything that you see when they come up on the screen i mean we spent about almost two weeks at spring training just building guys each and every day. So I was able at that point, I'm around a lot of our um, management. I'm a lot of, around a lot of our VPs, players, everyone. So I just began to take advantage of that moment, to be very honest. Um, kept it professional at all times, but when you have someone who is, you see them willing to do anything and everything to advance, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. And that's what ended up happening. And you definitely have to look at what's best for yourself. If going after all those opportunities can further your career, you take those risks and you have to go for them. And you, like you said, do it professionally because you don't want it to affect your work in a way. 
and it just kind of and it can show the listeners that you got to go for it. You have to take those risks. Right. Uh, I mean, I can't agree with you more. Who's going to bet on you if you don't bet on you? Correct. You have to have that confidence in yourself that you're able to do more. If you're just going to just stay back, um, do the minimum, you're not going to get far because your managers are always watching. And like you said, that you're interacting with players, managements, VPs. They're going to remember you. And when you're going for that next position and they see your name, they're going to have that mindset already of the talent that you have. Mm-hmm. I agree more. So talk about your current position right now. Yes. So um, I wrapped up my internship in 2016. Um, and like any other, if you've been in an internship, when it's coming to its end, we're back looking for jobs. Um, and around 2014, uh, 2015, um, the idea of the Urban Youth Academy had come across um, our general manager's forefront. That was pretty much his his, uh, vision and his idea. Um, And anyone who's not familiar with the academies, so Major League Baseball currently today has eight academies across the country. And all of these academies are designated to serving um, an underserved portion of youth in their respective cities. Um, Some of the cities have major league clubs, some do not. Um, But pretty much the whole idea is to grow and introduce the game to a demographic of kids who may not elsewhere or otherwise have an opportunity to play. So um, we are located everywhere and um, coming up around that time, um, postseason World Series, I mean, the city was on fire. So when this idea was introduced, it, I mean, unanimously the city major league baseball the mayor everyone that you can think of donors got on board with Dayton Moore and wanted to bring an academy to Kansas City and it was all approved and they broke ground and I believe it was 2016 April of 2016 they broke ground um and so during that time they were looking to build out the stock um and I had come across the, the um I come across the attention of who are now is our senior um, director of baseball administration, but he had asked if I would be, um, actually he had approached my boss <laughs> and was asking um, what were my future plans. And at the time, um, my internship should about was almost a full-time position. It was the only internship at the time that had that much work involved that pretty much everyone if you knew me, you knew I was an intern, but if you didn't, you probably thought I was full-time. So she told him that actually, you know, she's actually leaving in a couple of weeks because her internship is done. And he was like, wait, whoa, hold on. Um, I want to chat with her. So in a span of three days, I remember it vividly. On a Tuesday, she came to me and said, hey, he wants to chat with you. Um, this is what it's about. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the project. This is the Early Youth Academy. Um, but you know, he wants to talk. So I went upstairs and we had a great conversation. Um, got, a little, got to know a little bit more about the Urban Youth Academy and the mission. And I felt like it was aligned with something I would like to be a part of. And um, really honestly, I was like, well, this is, you know, something that can open up a door. I would love to, you know, join on. And so we talked some more. He called me um, right after we had talked and said, hey, I need you to get ready for an interview with Dayton Moore, the general manager tomorrow morning <laughs> mind you <laughs> literally went from coming into work that day to just 
kind of playing around on my computer and looking for jobs to finding out that I had an interview with our general manager the next morning. So on Wednesday, came in and we had a wonderful interview, um, got to talk and just really dive into everything, his, you know, his mission, his values, what he sees, everything you can think of. Um, came back down on Thursday, um, they offered me a position. <laughs> So it happened wow. in the span of three days, and on Friday I had officially accepted. So that is uh, that role ended up being um, the family and community engagement coordinator. Um, I have now since um, been promoted to manager of communications and outreach, and that's the title that I currently hold today. That story just shows how big networking is because you're the, the guy, the, the person that was interviewing you went, reached out to your manager and the communication. And it just shows how much getting to know your manager, telling them what your future, them helping. It, it's just amazing because in three days you went from ending an internship to a full time job. Now, are the internships paid or were they non paid? They were paid. They were paid, um, and uh, that's a great thing. <laughs> yes, because I know some it, some teens they don't do paid internships, and I know like some some of the people struggle with finding that next position. But it kind of just shows that the Royals believe, the Chiefs believe. Now, as a manager, do you lead a staff, or are you more solo when it comes to the projects? So I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm more solo, but because of my position and everything that it holds, um, I'm a big piece of the puzzle as well. So everyone's piece, you know, of course we all work together, but um, I control everything um, when it comes to branding, marketing, digital content, websites, as well as the entire community outreach realm. So there's a lot, there's two different plates right there, actually about four or five plates, but um, so really making sure that we've got that community engagement piece and then also making sure that digitally, since we live in such a digital world today, that we are also covering all of our bases. Um, so even though I work more solo as anything, um, I still have to be in the know with every single person around me so that I'm aware of what's going on. How do you use social media or LinkedIn to promote the mission of the Youth youth Academy? Oh, man, social media has really taken off. Um, when I first came on, it actually wasn't anything. It wasn't a part of my original job description. Um, I just at the time was the only person that would be able to handle social media just because of my, my knowledge and my savvy. Uh, and it's using social media savvy, to be very honest. Um, and I've taken it and have grown it ever since then. And it has played a crucial part, specifically now. Um, now that we are all, you know, at home and all we have really to rely on is social media to an extent mm-hmm. and digital content, it has really, really transcended um, LinkedIn as well. I want to make sure that we were connected there and then. Um, anything that we ever do, you know, I try to promote it on my, you know, my personal page and letting everyone know what we're doing. But it's great when you have the support from um, your counterparts from around the country. Of course, we're underneath, you know, the Royals are 
our parents, as I like to call them. <laughs> um, so we're underneath the Royals umbrella. And so when you have all of those bigger, you know, bigger support systems that are also in the social media world, um, it really does help and it's, it's super supportive. To give someone an overall theme of the program, what is the mission that you look forward for the Youth Academy? So, yeah, so our mission statement is, is really simple. It's empowering Kansas City's youth um, using baseball and softball as well as social and academic opportunities to be the leaders of tomorrow. Um, so really it's just encouraging our youth um, using the game, one, but two, when once we reel them in, we're giving them skills, we're giving them opportunities that can't be, you know, tangibly measured. You know, if they come in and we encourage them to be 1% better every day, that's what my executive director always says, Darwin. Um, if we can be 1% better every day, then we're getting somewhere. And really it's not, our, our main mission isn't to pump out the next, you know, major league baseball player or, um, major softball player in that aspect it's really to give these kids a sense of belonging giving them um you know equipping them with the tools that they need to be successful in whatever they that that they choose to do now we do have (laughs) a great pool of kids that are um super talented within the sports and we are doing our best to get them the best opportunity the greatest opportunity that they can within respectively their baseball and softball sides. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not the ultimate goal. It's really just to create the best kid, the best adult that we possibly can. Looking back at all the positions you've had, starting with that, the place 60, do you see the growth of your career when it came to starting at the place 60 to now what you do with getting the kids involved, managing the branding of the organization? Do you see that parallel in a way? Oh, man, yeah. I started off working with kids, and I ended up working with kids, but I did everything in between. (laughs) This is amazing for me. I mean, now that you say it, and now that I say that out loud, that's amazing for me because I I never looked at the youth portion and how professional sports could intersect. I never thought about that, that parallel. And now that I'm working in it, I'm like, it is, it makes perfect sense. There is such a natural parallel between both, and there's at opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, it's just amazing to look back on my journey. I Now, sometimes I look back and I'm just like, how did you do it? Because, you know, now that I'm in, in, a, in a set role that has a, a plethora of responsibilities, time is, is not on my side <laughs> some days. <laughs> I'm like, girlfriend, how did you manage at one point? You know, you had five part-time, but I reiterate it. You know, when you want it that bad, you find ways to make it work. And it all it all does. You know, as, as much as you can handle, it will all work out in, in your favor. And you hit it perfectly what this podcast is all about, the rise to the challenge. You started at going to college, sports broadcasting. You had that dream of wanting to be – in the WNBA or working for ESPN and then you found an obstacle where you went into a different direction with the play 60 and having all those positions at once and it just showed the determination and the passion you had to get farther in your career and you weren't going to let anything stop you to get where you want today 
and you obviously have shown that you love what you're doing and you love the organization that you're a part of. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it even adds an element to my passion because I'm working for my hometown team at the same time. Not to say I wouldn't give this passion to any other team, but it adds another level to my passion because these are the same teams that I grew up loving, I grew up watching. I had no idea that I would work for them one day. I really hadn't even crossed my mind. I was actually looking at outward. (laughs) But now to be back and to um, be somewhat of a a focal point in the community for kids to look up to, especially girls um, being in the sports industry, that's, that's what literally gives me so much joy. Now going to the future, what's the future for Angel? What are the next goals that you want to accomplish? Oh, man. You know, I would love to continue to climb the ladder within the sports industry. Um, I'm on the baseball side now, so naturally I would love to continue to climb up the ladder of baseball. Um, But I'm not subjective to baseball. I would love to give an an opportunity truly anywhere um, to looking into a more executive role um, or a GM or owning a team. I got a lot of different goals and dreams that I would love to do that if either one of them come into fruition, to me, I'm, I'm good with it. But ultimately, I just want to be in a position um, where I can make change and inspire others. I can definitely see you as a GM, showing that empowerment. <laughs> um, just because the fans are a huge part of these teams. Without the fans, it's what's there for the players and you're all about the fans getting them involved getting them interactive getting them to the next level one step at a time and it's just i'm enjoying learning so much about what you do and the passion that you have for what you do thank you i really appreciate that so what we like to do on the podcast at the end is do like a little recap so for someone going into the sports industry what are things that they should focus on to get to where they want to be? Oh, this sports industry today is based on networking. Um, I think that's the number one piece of advice that I could give anyone who is looking to find their way in or get a foot in is networking. Everyone knows someone who knows someone at this point, and a lot of folks find their way in because of that very notion so networking is so crucial it's so important do not be afraid to reach out to send emails to connect on linkedin just connect with someone um who seems you know to to have some type of experience and maybe willing to help you out next step is if they are within arm's reach of you and i say that as in you can drive to you know their respective team um, stadium or wherever the offices are located ask to shadow you know, there's no harm and no foul in asking for something. Um, the worst that can be told is no, and that's okay. Don't let that no stop you from asking another source. Um, our, our Royals organization and our Chiefs organization, that's literally how, that's what I did. You know, I was asking, my shadow talk ended up getting me a job. I went in to talk to, you know, my boss at the time on the Chiefs side to shadow her on game day. And that turned into a job on the spot. <laughs> And vice versa on the royal side, we have plenty of shadowing opportunities um, and encourage shadowing opportunities as well. But networking, shadowing opportunities, 
um, just having a sense of organization and time management specifically within sports. Those are really great. And being a great communicator. I know a lot of, a lot of, um, your followers may not be the best, um, may think they're not the best at public speaking or may not be, you know, very extroverted and that's okay, but people will remember how you made them feel over what you said to them. And that is a key note that I always like to tell people. Definitely great points you gave with networking, making a LinkedIn profile. I know when I was going to school, one of the assignments was we had to make a LinkedIn profile and reach out to certain people in our industry to just talk to them. And it's all about gaining that knowledge. Company or a team wants to see the passion and maybe a future employer and definitely just reaching out to them, asking questions about what they do. Shadowing, like you said, is important because then you kind of get to see, is this the right step for me? Like, do I really know what I want to do? And communicating. A lot of us, we, we take those public speaking classes now because that's a huge important task that we have to do in these jobs and i know with my job i do i'm a trainer and i have to train people so being able to public speak to everyone is important what are i can agree more definitely what are three things people should take away from this interview kind of like your tips and messages just in general personally or overall in your career All right, so we just touched on one, which is network, network, network. Um, Don't be afraid of the no that you're gonna get. Let it either push you or drive you to getting the yes. And um, make sure whatever line of work you're doing that it lines up with your passion. It's really easily to get wrapped into working somewhere or doing something that you're literally just doing it because of you know, your current situation or you're just meeting somewhere, but it's, it's the cliche is so true. Like it's not work if you love to do it. And I'm in a position right now where I, my job is, my job title is basically, there's like one of me, um, in the entire region (laughs) (laughs) and I have my counterparts across the country, but literally my job is tailored to do something so unique that I love what I do. I genuinely love what I do. I don't even look at it as work a lot of times. So I would just say networking, don't let the no deter you and find your passion. Those are definitely great tips, Angel. Well, Angel, I appreciate your time taking to talk about your rise to the challenge and we will definitely be in communication and hopefully I see you as the GM the next time I'm at the Royal Stadium. Oh, of course, Alex, and don't forget, I will not forget you along the way. So when I do make it, I will shout you out. (laughs) We'll definitely have to meet in person. Yes, for sure. Tune in next episode to find out my next guest's rise to the challenge. Remember, you can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Plus, follow me on all my social medias and let me know your rise to the challenge and what you've learned from your quick fire challenge. Have a great day, everyone.